Thanks for checking out another episode of the Got to Listen podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Gotts, and today you're going to be listening to something a little bit different. We have made it to 10 episodes, and I told Claire and Aiden that for our 10th episode, I would let them interview me. So instead of me being the one asking the questions, they will be asking the questions. I had a lot of fun being a little bit of a role reversal here. Hopefully you enjoy it as much as I did. Don't forget to give us five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and check us out at Gots to Listen on Instagram. Hi, Mr. Gots. Hey. So our first question that we have is, what was your high school experience like socially and academically? Different, two different things. Academically, I was pretty good. I was mostly on a roll. Although like as an adult, I went back and found my old report cards because my mom kept them all. And I was like, I got more C's than I remember getting. I told myself that I was like this all AB honor roll kid who always <laughs> did really well. And I was like, you got a C in like art class in seventh grade? Like, how did you do that? Like. You liked art. I don't know. So I think the memory I have of myself is not 100% legit, but I was teacher's pet, which should come as a zero surprise. I was very shy in school, but I got good grades. You know, I, I enjoyed math a lot. I enjoyed English a lot. I took honors English from ninth grade on. I took AP, which was stupid. I took AP English, but I never took the AP test. I just took it because it was like the advanced English class, but I never took the AP test. So I don't have a reason why. I don't think I cared enough to take the AP test, but I did. And then just socially, I just felt like I had two or three really, really close friends. I still talk to those people today. You know, they were in my wedding. I was in one of their weddings. The other one isn't married yet. And that was it. I wasn't like a social, everybody were besties, da 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 kind of thing. I was a little socially awkward, I think. I think it took me getting a job to really find my stride and feel comfortable in front of people. Um, could not talk to girls to save my life when I was in middle school and high school. I could not. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you this story. This is very embarrassing. So I was in seventh grade, and there was this girl that I, I thought was very cute. And my friends knew that I had a little crush on her. And it was after school, you know, we're in the hallway. And it's like you would see in a teen movie. She's just standing at her locker. And her locker is like open and my friends go whoosh and they push me right up to her locker and so the girl like if she's standing here with her locker like this she goes like this and looks at me and i just walked away i, I just she listens to this huh i said if she found your podcast and listened to this episode i'm sure she doesn't but i mean that was just me in general i just could not talk to the opposite gender and that was, it took a lot of uh, growing up to figure it out. How do you feel about your social life now? Well, I still have a lot of the same friends now that I did then. Um, do you have a lot more friends? I do, but my friend group is very close-knit. And, you know, a lot of the people that I went to high school with, I don't keep in contact with. You know, I got two really good friends who are two of the guys that were in my wedding. For one of them, his brother and some of our friends have remained a close-knit group and then I've just met you know some of my coworkers are really good friends of mine so you know meeting people through work and stuff like that 
Um, and it's funny because as you get older, you feel like you have pockets of friends who don't all really know each other or aren't all close with each other. So some of your friends, you can get together as one big group and it's no big deal. And then other times it's kind of like, oh, but when I hang out with this person, we do this instead kind of a thing. Um, I don't have a ton of friends. I don't need a ton of friends, but I've got some really, really close friends. And the one friend of mine I've known since kindergarten, so we've known each other for over 20, 25 years. And my other friend I met in sixth or seventh grade, so we've known each other for 15, 20 years too. So the friendships that I do have, I've had for a really long time, and they're really valuable, you know. That's great. If you could go back in time, what would you tell your high school self? Start exercising. <laughs> Which I know, I know, it's such a stupid answer. It is, but I, I believe in the benefits of physical fitness, mentally, you know, physically and all that. And I really look at, I got into some athletic related stuff when I was in my 20s, I'd say. I felt like I was the only one of my friends that wasn't really doing any exercising or running or doing anything like that. So I started and, you know, I love exercise. I love lifting weights or running and doing all that. But I just wish that I would have taken it more seriously when I was in high school so that I would have had a better base now. Um, when I, I've said this in class a few times, but athletes at our school now, if they do, for example, a baseball workout, they would go to the high school, we'd have the weight room, and you have coaches that are coaching you on how to lift the right way and putting programs together for you. And when we were getting ready for our off season when I was in high school, you would walk into the weight room and there would just be a paper on the table that just had a list of things. And there were no adults there supervising you. Nobody makes sure you're doing things correctly. Nobody pushing you. I wish that I could be a student, a student athlete in this time period where you have a lot more people that are helpful and willing to take the time and coach you on those things because I just think that it would have benefited me as I got even more into it later on in life. Another piece of advice is don't be so shy because, <laughs> you know, I love meeting new people, but sometimes it takes me a while to feel comfortable talking with new people and genuinely trying to get new people instead of just being polite. And I think for me, one of the things that really changed that is my first job was working front counter at a McDonald's and you have to talk to so many strangers in a day when that's your job that you can't be shy or you're just, that's not the job for you, you know? And, uh, I yeah, just don't, I was so shy when I was in school. Like I was so, so like you kids see me like running around the room and dancing and singing and doing all these, but like I used to be a very, very shy kid. You would never guess that. Now, I got a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you would never guess that I was shy at some point. I see a difference between how you describe yourself in high school and now. But I think it took a lot of growing up and a lot of maturing. And I think the thing that really, really helped me was having a job when I was a teenager. It was a big thing for me. So would you suggest for teenagers who are struggling with socially, struggling socially to get a job and something that could help them? You think that's something that could benefit them? I do, with a caveat, the reason I got a job is because I got cut from my high school baseball team. So if I could have played baseball, I still could have had that social aspect. But I mean, if you're somebody who is not involved in any after-school activities, then yeah, I would totally tell you to get a job because A, the earlier that you get that sense of responsibility from earning your own money, having to save your own money, figuring out what you do and don't spend your money on, I think it's a really valuable skill that can help you in the long run. And you know, even now, I look at some of the people that I have in my life, 
I have friends from the very first school that I worked at. I have friends from here where I work. I have friends from the McDonald's that I used to work at. You know, like a lot of the places that I've worked and the places that I've gone, I've been able to meet people that I have kept in my life. And I think that aside from your any social anxieties you have, I just think that your jobs are a good way to help hone in on your personality and making yourself a little bit more comfortable with who you are. Did your home life affect how you performed academically in high school? Yeah. Have I ever talked about this in class? I don't think oh, that so. was like a really direct question. I <laughs> felt like it was based on, yeah. Um, my parents, specifically my mom, uh, were very much like, so you're going to go to college? And I was like, okay. And she's like, that's your only option. Like, just so we're clear, like you're only going to, and I was like, oh, okay. So when you know that that is the goal, that puts, I don't want to say it puts pressure on you. It just, uh, I could have done better when I was a student. And my mom routinely told me I could have done better as a student. <laughs> and I, now this goes back to what I just said before about how my recollection of how I did in school versus what some of those report cards look like didn't really match up the way that I thought they did. So I'll give you an example. I would go up to my mom and I go, I'm getting B's. I'm doing great. And she was like, yeah, but you're not even trying. If you tried, you could get the A. And I said, yeah, I'm not trying, and I'm getting a B. Like, I'm doing pretty good, you know? And she was like, but you could put forth the effort. And I was like, but why would I want to, you know? Awful way of looking at it. Awful mentality. I could have been an all-A student. I had the smarts. I had parents who supported me and encouraged me. My mom used to want to sit down and look at my homework with me. She used to try and help me study for tests and quizzes when I was in school. She really wanted me to be successful in school. At 33, looking back at all those things, you go, oh, Elliot, why didn't you take advantage of that, you know? Then the flip side is, well, you were a kid, you know? It's part of your nature to not always see things eye to eye with your parents. I took the easy way out, could have pushed myself more. And the other thing about that too is now I'm a teacher and I'm the one who's got to look at some of these kids and go, yeah, but you could do better. You could try harder. And they're going to give me flack. And then I'm my mom in this situation and they're <laughs> me when I was their age. And it's like, that was you. You have to understand where they're coming from. So, so yes, to answer your question, my parents did play a huge role in me going to college and getting good grades and being where I was. And actually, they're, you know, going back to how important it was for me to get a job and find my personality based on that, my parents had a lot to do with that too. So I got cut from baseball when I was in 11th grade, and they said, okay, uh, you're 16, go get a job. Either you're going to play sports or you're going to get a job. And so... You know, they pushed me to get that job, and now here I am. <laughs> so, yeah. So, on the topic of jobs, what is one thing you wish you'd known before you went into the field of education? Mm, man, one thing, only one thing. You could name a few. I think it has, well, first off, I wish I had a crystal ball. Because I graduated college in 2011, so this is my 10th year teaching. And I think that kids have changed over time in a lot of different ways. I, I think the biggest thing that I understand now that I wish I would have known even more then is every kid is so unique with their back life, you know, like their home life and their backstory. And sometimes it's okay to just say, yes, you can have an extra day to get this done. Or like, 
it's okay that you need to keep your head down for a little bit because something was happening at home and now it's affecting you here. Or, you know, I always knew that I thought I had a personality for teaching, but, you know, you look at the fact that I have kids like you who stay after and talk to me or we're doing a podcast or think about how many times that you stay after and tell me stories about what's going on with cheerleading or inside jokes that you make with students and, you know, things like that. It's rewarding, you know, and I didn't, I don't think that I could have anticipated that that would be the case when I went into this profession. When I went into this profession, oh, here's another thing I wish I would have known, and that is that there is an actual curriculum that you're supposed to stick to, and you can't just on the top of a whim be like, I like this book, let's do it in class. Like, it doesn't work that way. There's a process you have to go through. Um, I, I just, when I was going through college, I was like, I have a pretty good personality, and I like reading, and I was in AP English. I could be an English teacher, you know? And then you start learning how the curriculum unfolds and making connections with students. And then when you have kids that are no longer in your class and they email you and they check in on you and they ask how you're doing. And even with this, I've had 10th graders that were in my class that have come back to be on this. And just those relationships that you make are just really special. I feel like I'm talking in circles right now. I feel like I just did like a big <laughs> arc all the way around your question. I think you do a very good job at like connecting with students. Like you're very personable. I try. And I appreciate that because I, I feel like it's just better for the students and you. I, I think that's very true. I've only been in third hour but since classes were mixed up in the second semester um, I've noticed that you have a lot of different like inside jokes and different like personalities with different students and it's interesting to see how you interact with everyone i appreciate that that i mean i always tell people when i from 7 30 to 2 20 that's not work that's easy show up be around a bunch of kids for 55 minutes at a time talk about some that's that's easy the hard part is when all of you leave and i have to grade a bunch of papers or i'm grading essays that's work but what I do during the school day, that's the that's fun. That's why I do it, you know? It's not hard. It's enjoyable, you know? I get to show my personality. I get to try and have fun. I get to know, every year I get to know 120-something new kids, you know? Like, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You figure if I've been teaching for 10 years, I know over 1,000 students maybe? Like, that's pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of kids. What inspired you to be a teacher? Like, did you ever have a teacher in high school that, you know, you looked up to? I had two teachers that I really looked up to. One of them's name was Mr. Juke. We're actually Facebook friends. <laughs> so shout out to Mr. Juke if you ever listen to this. <laughs> 11th grade honors English teacher. And then the other one, I had a 12th grade senior teacher named Miss Lenhausen. And they were, like, super night and day from each other. So Mr. Juke the very first day of school. He was, you know, I'm not very tall, right? He was not tall. This dude, the rumors were people would watch him bench press and like the bar would bend because he would put so much weight on the bar. Like this dude was jacked. So he would walk around the room and I was so intimidated by this guy. He had like these beady eyes that he would just stare down at me with. Like he would walk by and he just stopped and he stared down at me. And I felt like I was going to pee my pants in class, you know, like it was that like, please don't look at me, please don't look at me. But this dude knew so much and he worked so hard to try and make us better. And it was, I think for him, I learned a lot about writing 
And then my next year, I had a teacher named Miss Lenhausen, who was more of the inside joker, a lot older lady, closer to the end of her career by the time I had her. But, you know, we talked about Hamlet in her class, and we talked about, you know, dissecting literature also. But it was just a, like a different experience. Both of them brought something really awesome to the table that was really fun for English class. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, both of them were very inspiring in, in the English side of it. And I, I, don't, I just thought like I had a personality where I needed to do something in front of people. I didn't think I was a cubicle person. I legitimately went through a hot minute where I was like, I could be a radio DJ. <laughs> so now I got that with the podcast kick, you know. Um, but yeah, I settled, you know, I think one day my mom was like, have you ever thought about being a teacher? And I was like, no. And then I did. And I was like, yeah, I could kind of see it. That's what kind of started it. It's interesting to see how just the little things, even just the teacher's influence can really change your life. Yeah. And the flip side to that too, like, when I look at how I shape my classroom, I've also had the flip side where I've had teachers that I did not like their style. Yeah. And part of me doing what I do is to do the opposite of what they did. Because I don't want my kids to have the experience that I had in that teacher's classroom. You know, I've had some fantastic teachers, but I've also had a few that I just shook my head and said, like, why are you still teaching? Why don't you get out while you still can? You know, like maybe pick something a little bit different. So I, you know, I pick the really, really good teachers I've had and I try to emulate parts of what they've done. I take the teachers that I didn't like their style of teaching and I try to do the opposite of them and then you find your own groove somewhere in the middle, you know? You're, I think that you're a large collection of all the different people and experiences that you've had in your life and then you have to figure out what fits and what you want to discard to be who you are and I don't know. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Do you have anyone who inspires you now? Anyone that just keeps you going every day? <laughs> Are you talking about as a teacher? Or? As a teacher, as a person, it can be anything, really. I have a lot of respect for my dad. I look up to my dad a lot. My dad is a lot older than me, so I'm 33, he's 73. My dad was in the Vietnam War. My dad, um, he was just the kindest dad when I was growing up and I just I look up to the way that he helped raise me and the kind of a man that he is and he's one of those people that when I do something even now with us both being adults he'll still tell me you know he's so proud of me and you know it means a lot to me and so with me being a father you know my daughter's 14 years old and I try to raise my daughter more like how my dad has raised me and influenced me because I legitimately think that he's just the nicest, most compassionate person on the face of the earth. And I just truly, truly love him and look up to him. Could you see yourself doing anything else besides teaching or no? In the future or like if I wasn't a teacher? If you weren't a teacher. Do you guys think I could ever just do a desk job? Like, do you no, think I could no. do a not cubicle gig? <laughs> I think that it would depend on the desk job, but I don't think because with desk jobs, you don't really get that personal feel with everyone else in the office. You might have little inside jokes, but it's not the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not the same. I don't think it would work for you. Sometimes I tell myself, like, 
if I could just work in a cubicle and just type away and just throw in a pair of headphones and listen to music all day, like it would be heaven. But I also know that that probably wouldn't fit my personality either. I don't know. If I wasn't a teacher, I mean, the cop-out would be like, I would just be a full-time baseball coach somewhere, but that's a cop-out because I already get to coach baseball. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't, I mean, I guess the answer is nothing. I mean, that's it for me. I don't know what else I do. I've thought about that when I was in college or, you know, when I was, when I started my career and I would have rough days, I'd be like, maybe this isn't what I should do. What? So you start Googling, like, what can an English teacher also do outside of teaching? It took me a while to really find my groove, you know, because this is the second school that I worked at. I worked at a school in Detroit for two years and then I got the job here and I felt like I was starting all over again when I worked here. And it took me, I'd say about two years to really find my groove here. And at that point I was four years into my career, you know, now here I am in my 10th year. So I don't know. God, that's a good question. What else would I do? What else would I do? You guys tell me. What else would I do? You could be a stand-up comedian. Oh. Yeah, I can see that. I could definitely see that. You know, I had a friend in college who actually tried that. Mm -hmm. I didn't go, but yeah. he tried it. And I was like, that's crazy. I, I don't know if I could ever do stand-up. I am really, I try to do situational comedy. So you'll say something and I'll take what you said and I'll try and flip it or spin it in, but like to write out a script of jokes, I don't know if I could, do, I don't know. I mean, you are a very extroverted person or outwardly an extroverted person. So I think it might work. Yeah. One time, uh, Miss Algoot and I were talking and she called me yeah, an extroverted introvert because I'm also the same person that'll try and bail on plans sometimes too. So I don't know what I am. I guess it depends on the day and the mood and the whatever's happening. I'm gonna think on that though. What would I do if I would? I'm gonna keep thinking on that. All right, so our next question is, what do you do in your free time? Works out. I do work out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know what, I, uh, I read. The problem is like at the beginning of this, the year, I was reading a lot. I'd read like five or six books going into the end of February. I was just really on this reading train. And then I picked up a book that's really slowed me down a little bit. I'm not going to say the name of it because I don't want to talk badly about any books. But it slowed me down. So I've slowed down on the reading. And at the same time I've slowed down on the reading, I've been playing video games, <laughs> which, you know, uh, I don't mind it. It's a lot of fun. It's a really good way to just turn my brain off after I've had a long day or enjoy my weekend a little bit. And then my wife and I try to do little home projects around the house. Um, we have, she wants to do little in-home decor type of things with this cricket that we got. So she wants to, we got like a little air compressor and a staple gun so that she can build picture frames and then paint them and cricket them and do it. So I, I guess we're going to do that. I don't, I don't know. I know that when you did my podcast when we were talking about music, you let me kind of give out some music recommendations. Do you have any book recommendations for students? Yes. Um... The first one that I would say is Dante and Aristotle Discover the Secrets of the Universe. Love that book. I think it's such a great, great book. Very, very good book. I'm trying to think of books that I know you don't already read at the high school and that are also age appropriate. Um, I think Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl was okay. Have you read that one? No. The Great Gatsby. Do kids even read The Great Gatsby anymore? I don't think so. Oh, I love The Great Gatsby. That was a good one. I mean, that was a little bit of a classic, but that was a good one. Uh, I also, I know you guys and girls generally didn't love The Maze Runner, but, like, I enjoyed The Maze Runner. I enjoyed Fahrenheit. 
I enjoyed The Giver. I think that you kids have had access to a lot of really good books. You know what book I don't think you read anymore that I also loved was The, Out the Outsiders. You don't read The Outsiders. Mm. Oh my gosh. I love that book so much. Absolutely love that book. When the school switched over to Springboard, that's when they took The Outsiders out of the curriculum. Oh, uh, S.E. Hinton's The Outsiders, one of the greatest books of all time. And of course, 1984. Yeah, I mean, you read that in 11th grade. But yeah, 1984, absolutely. I've got it tattooed on me. It's a favorite. Uh, and then I got some that are just not really teenager appropriate that I really like. So when you're older, I'll let you know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you also, I don't think you kids read Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. And that one, you know, I've talked about how much I love 1984. So there is a, I found this online. The author of 1984, Aldous Huxley, wrote a letter to George Orwell, who wrote 1984, saying why he thought Brave New World would have been more likely to happen than what happened in 1984. So you have these two authors who both wrote dystopian novels that were really different from each other, writing why they think that their dystopian is more realistic than the other. It's pretty interesting. In the end, 1984 was more similar to what we had, but... It's neither here nor there. At what point in your life did you, you were like, I have to get my life together? Like, kind of like that, like, I don't know how to describe it, but do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, I had it happen twice. The first time it happened, I was 19 and my daughter was born. That'll kick your butt into gear, knowing that you're responsible for another human being. So I had her, I didn't have her, but she was born in January. And the day that she was born was supposed to be my first day at Baker College because I just transferred over to Baker College. And I had to, like, email my professor and be like, hey, I know it's the first day of class, but I won't be there. I'm going to be a dad. How weird, right? So she was born, and that semester I 4.0'd. Never 4.0'd until that point. From that point on, I never was taken off the dean's list, like, I just like killed it like I just did a great job the whole so I think that there was a part of me that knew you need to step up you need to really get your act together and put it in a gear but then I, I've, I've had a couple times like this too there was um, when I was student teaching you know this the person who was my coordinating teacher felt like I wasn't doing enough preparing you know, so she kind of forced me to realize that I need to be better at planning and considering further in advance where I'm going with my work. Um, so, you know, there was that because I didn't want to work so hard to get to that point and then lose it because she just thought that I wasn't prepared enough to be a, a good teacher. And then, you know, I got my master's degree while I was teaching. So being able to balance being a student while and coaching, I mean, I just feel like there's a few times routinely where it's a good reminder not to let your guard down and to keep pushing yourself to keep working um, and this time of year when baseball starts it is always like the epitome of that because my schedule just becomes hectic and chaotic and crazy and at the end of the day like I love teaching I love coaching baseball teaching pays the bills coaching doesn't pay the bills you know so I have to always make sure that no matter how deep I am into coaching that I always make sure that teaching is taken care of so I mean it helps that I've done this for a while you know and we always end with Romeo and Juliet but yeah so this question's a little unrelated but it's very a very large concern to a lot of students and parents 
Um, how did your high school affect your mental health? Mm. How did my high school affect my mental health? I think, I think that in it, I felt like I had days that great friendships, great whatever, and then I think that there were other days where I would feel a little bit left out. But I think that feeling left out wouldn't come until I would be sitting at home and then I would try and call somebody to get together and do something and everybody had something else going on and yada, yada, yada. But I don't know, I, because when I was in school, like mental health was nowhere near the public conversation that we have now. So, I mean, part of me being a teenage boy was, was I moody sometimes? Sure. What, but I don't know what to blame it on. You know, could have just been a bad day. Could have been my friends got together and didn't invite me. I don't, I don't know. I, I know that uh, I did have, for example, I had a teacher in high school who I would just have lunch with. Like, his name was Mr. Stanton. I would go into his room at lunch, and we would just chit-chat once or twice a week, and I just talked to him like we're like best friends, you know, and he was super nice. He never gave me the impression that I was annoying him in any way. That's pretty helpful, you know, when you feel like you have an adult that you can go to and rely on. But yeah, I don't know, because it was just a different time, and mental health wasn't really what it is now, especially at your age. Like, we weren't getting presentations on how to take care of your mental health, how to recognize issues with your mental health. That all came a lot later than when I graduated. I will say, you know, they say high school is the best four years of your life. I had way more fun being a college student than I did being a high school student because I felt like I had the freedom with making your class schedules. Or when I started college, there was the student rec center where we get to play pool on our break. And we, you know, so I, I had a lot more fun in college. And I never went away from for school. I always stayed home, lived with my parents. I worked while I was in college, but I just had a more fun experience in college than I did in high school. Do you know the similarities between like groups in our high school and the groups in your high school? I see it sometimes, but I also don't because there's something about this school where some of the close-knit groups are harder to pick out, I feel like. So this school is a lot smaller than when I was in school, we had 9 through 12. You have 8, 9, then you have 10, 12. So maybe it would be different if we were standing in the middle of the high school. The groups here are similar in the sense that people that play a specific sport will always flock towards each other. You know, So the football players hang out with football players. Basketball players will hang out with basketball players. You know, as we get through our spring sports this week, those people that will form little pockets of something that they have in common. You know, there are some kids that dress differently from everybody else. And it's not even, it's not, you know, they don't look grungy or punk rocky. They just have, they stand out. They have their own unique style. And I can see how I had kids like that in my school that were like that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's harder to tell. And maybe I'm just naive, but I just feel like pickpocketing who's, who in terms of social groups and dynamics and stuff, it is a little bit tougher. Maybe it's because of the size of the school. Do you guys think that there's like a lot of groups? There's definitely a lot of groups. Yeah. I think people, there's a lot of people too. To yeah. Be fair. There are a lot of people and 
people at our school don't necessarily only hang out with people in their grade. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Do you, so would you say that at your high school there were cliques? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, there's a lot of similarities between Woodhaven and Anchor Bay where I grew up. Like, they remind me of each other in a lot of different ways. I would say the socioeconomic range from both districts was pretty much the same. You know, you have, like, a wide range of people's background here. You have diversity here, which is very similar to the diversity that I grew up with. The size of the schools remind me a little bit of each other. You know, my high school when I graduated was the first or second largest high school in the state of Michigan. I would say the high school is pretty large. It's just, it's only 10 through 12 instead of 9 through 12. And I just do, I do see a lot of similarities into how where I'm working is similar to where I grew up. And that's interesting in the sense of when I knew I wanted to go into teaching, I always used to think, how cool would it be if I went back and was a teacher at the school that I graduated from? Now it worked out. I'm glad that I'm here. You know, I'm glad that I didn't just get stuck in one place for my whole life. Cause if I would have never gotten out of that town, that would have been a little bit of a bummer. You know, I don't dislike where I grew up, but it is nice to have had some space from where I grew up. They're similar in a lot of ways. We kind of talked about this, but like you, I feel like you do create like good, like relationships with your students. Like what ways, like what do you do that's like that you connect with your students? I pick on them. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's different from kid to kid, right? So, you know, if I'm going to come up to you, I'm probably going to ask you a question about your weekend. I'm going to ask you about AP and I'm going to ask you about cheerleading. For you, you usually ask me a lot of questions or you say a lot of fun facts. And so I'll probably give you a hard time about a fun fact that you're trying to give to me, right? Like we just did that in class today. I have a student in my fifth hour who is really into fashion right now. And so whatever the student wears, I'm going to give him a hard time about what he's wearing just because I know that he's just going through this fashionable. So you, you have to get to know the kids. I was just talking to Mr. G about this today because I had a meeting with him. You know, as you go through from September until June, you get to know all these individual kids inside your class. You build inside jokes, you build connections and relationships with them, and you use that, you know? I know I've said this a thousand times on this podcast, but I don't want somebody to sit in my class and feel like, well, he never saw me, you know? So even today in one of my classes, I literally just went up and down the aisle and I just said, how was your weekend? How was your weekend? How was your week? What if nobody else asked that kid how their weekend went? What if they sat there all day and nobody said hi to them, you know? So I'm not perfect at it, and I can't say that I did it every single hour today, but I try to do little things so that kids feel like Mr. Gotts cares. Because I do. I really, really do. So that, yeah. And as you build those relationships, then you can recall on those inside jokes or, you know, pick on them or tease them or do whatever. As a student, I definitely notice how you, all the little things you do to make everyone feel welcome. Like, sometimes I'll be having a bad day for one reason or another, and you'll always uh, find a way to make me laugh. I try. Yeah, every, like, even last semester there was a boy in our class, and he didn't really talk much, but even that didn't discourage you from trying to make sure he was okay. I try. And the other thing, too, is... 
I am not afraid to embarrass myself in front of everybody. You've heard me sing. You've seen me dance. I've seen you fall. You've seen me fall. You've seen all kinds of stupid things that I do in my class because I feel like in order to get you to pay attention to what I'm saying, I have to entertain you in some way, shape, or form. You know, If I got up there, so like bad example, we're literally reading To Kill a Mockingbird right now. But if I didn't do anything before we started it, if I just said, okay, welcome to class, open up to chapter eight, we're going to start reading, like you kids would be like, whoa, we're lost, you know? When I take the time to try and like throw a couple jokes in there, ask about your weekend, tell you about my weekend, relate to each other in some way, then I'm hoping that you have a greater interest and you're more willing to do some of the work for me because you respect me. Granted, you're not going to love every activity I have with Stu. You're not going to always want to do every writing assignment. But if I have a relationship with students, then hopefully I have enough of their respect where they'll think, I don't really want to do this, but, you know, Gats is cool. I'll do it just to keep them off my back. <laughs> so this is the final question that we have, but do you think it's okay to not know exactly what you want to do with your life? Yeah, I can't imagine in a lot of your students, a lot of your kids' situations, knowing exactly what it is that you do want to do. I got lucky that I found out pretty quickly that I wanted to be a teacher. You know, I was in ninth or 10th grade, I think, when I knew that I wanted to be a teacher. So around this time, I, I would have known. But one of the things that helps is I was a student, and I was in a school every day, and I saw what my teachers did every single day. In this district, a lot of your elective opportunities come when you go to the high school. So for some of you, you might not figure out what you want to do until it's a little bit later into high school just because you're you're not able to experience the electives that you'll have over at the high school. You know, at the end of the day, whether you go to college or don't go to college, you're going to figure it out. There's some people that go to college, they know that they want a degree, and they take their prerequisites, their prerequisites <laughs> before they figure out what it is that they want to do with their life because they know, hey, I've got the basics out of the way. And so, and then flip side... You know, think about how many people have a midlife crisis and change careers halfway through their life and whatnot. I mean, whatever you do, do what makes you happy. It is so hard to say that and not have kids roll their eyes and go, yeah, I don't want to get, I want to get rich. I don't want to struggle. I want to, I get that. But when you figure out what will make you happy, you'll find a way for the rest to come, you know? So don't let money be the guiding factor. Make it if I'm going to wake up and I'm going to roll out of bed and I'm going to do this 40 hours a week every week for the rest of my life, am I going to enjoy it? And that's what helps me enjoy teaching so much. Is like I said, 7.30 to 2.30, being around all of you, talking, joking, teaching, all that, so much fun. Doesn't feel like work. So with that, do you think that there's a lot of pressure for students to know, like from schools, to know what they want to do with their lives? You know, if they want to go to college or university. Do I think that schools have a lot of pressure on kids to find out what they want to do? Is that what you're asking? Yes. Not as much as it used to be. I think that schools recognize that everybody's path is different and everybody's path comes at a different pace and a different rate. I think that schools will always encourage you to try to find what interests you. But I don't think schools put as much pressure on kids to have it figured out. Maybe I'm wrong. You are the student, so do you feel like school puts pressure on you to figure out what you want to do with your life? I feel like it's kind of rushed 
to be honest. Do you? Like, you get to senior year, and it's like, where are you going to college? What are you doing? You know? Yeah. And, like, junior year, you take the SAT. Yeah. Like, that's in two years, basically. Mm -hmm. That's. It's hard to believe that I'm a high schooler, especially with the way our schools work. And it doesn't even, I'm not in the high school. Right. So it's really hard to believe that I'm taking high school classes. I'm a freshman. Mm -hmm. Because leading up to this point, I always thought, wow, high school, when I get into high school, I'm going to be really excited. I'm going to be like, I'm in a high school now. But it just doesn't feel like that to me. It might next year. Well, and the other thing, too, is look at the year that you've had to go through. Yeah. You know, you ended eighth grade online, started this year with the hybrid. Then we were full face-to-face. -face, then we were shut down. Then we were hybrid. Now we're face-to-face. -face. We've had however many kids quarantining for two weeks in and out. I mean, this is not a normal year. So I don't blame, number one, you're a ninth grader at a school that is only an eight, nine building. So I would never blame you for not feeling like a high schooler for that. And then second, you're dealing with being a student in a pandemic and all the things that have come with that. And so that's also going to have its own unique set of feelings, emotions, and challenges. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I do get the, you were saying you feel pressure in the sense that they want you to figure out what college you're going to go to, you graduate in four years, you know, what you feel like it comes fast. Yeah, but, you know, their job is to help make sure that if you are going to go to college, that they've helped you fill out your FAFSA and your applications and you've thought of all your options and, you know, their scheduling and all that. So there's a reason. It's not just let's kick her out the door and yeah. get her out of here. <laughs> Advice for other people. What would you say to help people who aren't entirely sure what they want to do? I would say put yourself in as many different experiences as you can and be willing to try as many new things as possible until you figure out what you like. So, you know, I mean, teaching is just teaching. I mean, you could be a substitute teacher, even though it's not quite the same as having your own classroom, or you could volunteer to work in a school doing something. Let's say you like working with animals. You could try working in a veterinary's clinic, or you could try working in a dog shelter, or you could, I mean, a lot of different experiences help you wind down to figuring out what it is that you'd like to do. But whatever you do, do it because it's what you want to do and not what you feel is something you're pressured to do or that you should do or that you have to do. Make sure it's something that you want to do because at the end of the day, you're the one who's got to live it. I feel like some kids might have parents who want them to have a certain job or a certain role or whatever. And I get that you know parents always have their kids' best interest at heart, but at the end of the day, the kid is the one who's got to do that job every day for the rest of their life. They need to enjoy it. That's true. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you for the fun. advice. I think that's really nice. I think it was... It was fun nice. doing the role reversal where now I was the one being spoken to. That's different. And that means that we're 10 episodes in. That's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Well, thanks for interviewing me. It was fun. Of course. <laughs>